From America's colonial period to her rise to become the richest, most powerful nation in history, the ideas and values that guide us, protect us, and hold our society together flow from the pages of this book of books. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. Our founding documents affirm and build on the scriptural concepts of God-given, not state-granted rights, and of liberty under law. The biblical worldview shaped our work ethic, made education a priority, and birthed the notion of finite, limited government under divine authority. One nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. The pilgrims, the Puritans, the founding fathers, and American leaders throughout our history have emphasized the Bible's importance to America. The first and almost the only book worthy of universal attention is the Bible. John Quincy Adams. But for the book, we could not know right from wrong. All the things desirable to man are contained in it. Abraham Lincoln. The foundations of our society and our government rest so much on the teachings of the Bible that it would be difficult to support them if faith in these teachings would cease to be practically universal in our country. Calvin Coolidge. The Bible Live is your opportunity to listen to the Bible. A 15 to 20 minute reading every weeknight. The entire Bible every year. Now, here's the host of The Bible Live, your Apache Indian scout on this annual excursion through the Word, Soapy Dollar. Yes, indeed, here we are. Thank you, Kevin Bell, for getting us on the air tonight. Good evening, everyone. Thank you for joining us tonight. I hope you've had a great day. All the relationships of life humming right along and going with you and for you, and especially that key core relationship that you enjoy with your God. I hope you've been able to walk with him and experience his presence, his peace, his power at work in you and with you throughout this Wednesday. I often think of that movie Fiddler on the Roof. It's intriguing to me how Tevye, the main character of that, walks through his life communicating, conversing with God, listening and speaking. It's very, very interesting to me. I think it's some kind of a, a model for us, a pattern that we could set each of us in our heart and our mind, just walking through the day with the Lord. One of the great keys in our Christian life is bringing the Lord into every area of our lives, assuming we're not doing something that is against God's will, breaking God's laws and his commands to us. We're walking through life, taking care of business, as they say, supporting the family, earning a living, and supplying the goods and services that people need and so on, as most of us do in our workplaces. Bring God in to those relationships. Bring God into those activities, into that lunch break, into that coffee break. Let God walk through those with you. When we do that, when we bring God into our earthly experiences, we lift the purpose and meaning and significance of those activities. We lift their significance into the eternal. We give them an infinite purpose. They tie them to the purposes of God. An amazing thing to do when we can live our lives that way. In our reading tonight, we're going to pick up in Luke chapter 12. But right now, let's go to the book of the Proverbs and finish chapter 5, talking about faithfulness in marriage. Proverbs five fifteen through 23. Drink water from your own well. Share your love only with your wife. Why spill the water of your springs in public, having sex with just anyone? You should reserve it for yourselves. Don't share it with strangers. Let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. 
Rejoice in the wife of your youth. She is a loving doe, a graceful deer. Let her breasts satisfy you always. May you always be captivated by her love. Why be captivated, my son, with an immoral woman, or embrace the breast of an adulterous woman? For the Lord sees clearly what a man does, examining every path he takes. An evil man is held captive by his own sins. They are ropes that catch and hold him. He will die for lack of self-control. He will be lost because of his incredible folly. End of reading, Proverbs 5, 15 through 23. You're listening to the Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. Let's see if that happens as we turn our eyes upon the Savior this evening. Reading from Luke chapters 12 through 14. Very interesting section, these chapters now, as we move toward the end of the life and ministry of Jesus the Messiah. There are going to be a number of parables tonight. The parable of the rich fool talks about the place of riches and materialism in our lives, giving so much concern to affairs of this world fame and fortune, influence and power, that we leave all thought of eternal significance. It has to do with what I began the program with this evening, bringing God into the everyday decision so that we are not dominated by the temporal, that we are not distracted and dominated totally by the material, always making sure that we are living our lives in view of eternity. Jesus is going to give us teaching about worry and about anxiety. Who doesn't need that kind of input tonight? Maybe you're worried and a little afraid of the future, concerned about the finances and the economy and your job and this or that or the other, maybe a relationship in your life and your future, a career choice, a decision you have to make. Don't be anxious. If we belong to Christ, there is a place of peace and rest for us. We'll see Jesus grieve over the city of Jerusalem. How often have we grieved over our city? Do we cry over San Antonio, the cities where we are ministering? Let's listen now to the Bible life. Luke twelve thirteen through fourteen twenty four. Luke twelve. Then someone called from the crowd, Teacher, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. Jesus replied, Friend, who made me judge over you to decide such things as that? Then he said, Beware, don't be greedy for what you don't have. Real life is not measured by how much we own. And he gave an illustration. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. In fact, his barns were full to overflowing, so he said, I know, I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough to store everything, and I'll sit back and say to myself, My friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, you will die this very night. Then who will get it all? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. Then turning to his disciples, Jesus said, So I tell you, don't worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food to eat or clothes to wear. 
for life consists of far more than food and clothing. Look at the ravens. They don't need to plant or harvest or put food in barns because God feeds them. And you are far more valuable to Him than any birds. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Of course not. And if worry can't do little things like that, what's the use of worrying over bigger things? Look at the lilies and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for flowers that are here today and gone tomorrow, won't he more surely care for you? You have so little faith. And don't worry about food, what to eat and drink. Don't worry whether God will provide it for you. These things dominate the thoughts of most people, but your father already knows your needs. He will give you all you need from day to day if you make the kingdom of God your primary concern. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. So don't be afraid, little flock, for it gives your father great happiness to give you the kingdom. Sell what you have and give to those in need. This will store up treasure for you in heaven, and the purses of heaven have no holes in them. Your treasure will be safe. No thief can steal it, and no moth can destroy it. Wherever your treasure is, there your heart and thoughts will also be. Be dressed for service and well prepared, as though you were waiting for your master to return from the wedding feast. Then you will be ready to open the door and let him in the moment he arrives and knocks. There will be special favor for those who are ready and waiting for his return. I tell you, he himself will seat them, put on an apron, and serve them as they sit and eat. He may come in the middle of the night or just before dawn, but whenever he comes, there will be special favor for his servants who are ready. Know this, a homeowner who knew exactly when a burglar was coming would not permit the house to be broken into. You must be ready all the time, for the Son of Man will come when least expected. Peter asked, Lord, is this illustration just for us or for everyone? And the Lord replied, I'm talking to any faithful, sensible servant to whom the master gives the responsibility of managing his household and feeding his family. If the master returns and finds that the servant has done a good job, there will be a reward. I assure you, the master will put that servant in charge of all he owns. But if the servant thinks, my master won't be back for a while and begins oppressing the other servants, partying and getting drunk, well, the master will return unannounced and unexpected. He will tear the servant apart and banish him with the unfaithful. The servant will be severely punished, for though he knew his duty, he refused to do it. But people who are not aware that they are doing wrong will be punished only lightly. Much is required from those to whom much is given, and much more is required from those to whom much more is given. I have come to bring fire to the earth, and I wish that my task were already completed. There is a terrible baptism ahead of me, and I am under a heavy burden until it is accomplished. Do you think I have come to bring peace to the earth? No, I have come to bring strife and division. From now on, families will be split apart, three in favor of me and two against, or the other way around. There will be a division between father and son, mother and daughter, mother-in-law and daughter-in-law. Then Jesus turned to the crowd and said, When you see the clouds beginning to form in the west, you say, Here comes a shower. And you are right. When the south wind blows, you say, Today will be a scorcher. And it is. You hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and the sky, but you can't interpret these present times. Why can't you decide for yourselves what is right? If you are on the way to court and you meet your accuser, 
try to settle the matter before it reaches the judge, or you may be sentenced and handed over to an officer and thrown in jail. And if that happens, you won't be free again until you have paid the last penny. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Luke 13. About this time, Jesus was informed that Pilate had murdered some people from Galilee as they were sacrificing at the temple in Jerusalem. Do you think those Galileans were worse sinners than other people from Galilee, he asked? Is that why they suffered? Not at all. And you will also perish unless you turn from your evil ways and turn to God. And what about the 18 men who died when the Tower of Siloam fell on them? Were they the worst sinners in Jerusalem? No. And I tell you again that unless you repent, you will also perish. Then Jesus used this illustration. A man planted a fig tree in his garden and came again and again to see if there was any fruit on it, but he was always disappointed. Finally, he said to his gardener, I've waited three years and there hasn't been a single fig. Cut it down. It's taking up space we can use for something else. The gardener answered, Give it one more chance. Leave it another year and I'll give it special attention and plenty of fertilizer. If we get figs next year, fine. If not, you can cut it down. One Sabbath day, as Jesus was teaching in a synagogue, he saw a woman who had been crippled by an evil spirit. She had been bent double for 18 years and was unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Woman, you are healed of your sickness. Then he touched her, and instantly she could stand straight. How she praised and thanked God. But the leader in charge of the synagogue was indignant that Jesus had healed her on the Sabbath day. There are six days of the week for working, he said to the crowd. Come on those days to be healed, not on the Sabbath. But the Lord replied, You hypocrite, you work on the Sabbath day. Don't you untie your ox or your donkey from their stalls on the Sabbath day and lead them out for water? Wasn't it necessary for me, even on the Sabbath day, to free this dear woman from the bondage in which Satan had held her for 18 years? This shamed his enemies, and all the people rejoiced at the wonderful things he did. Then Jesus said, What is the kingdom of God like? How can I illustrate it? It is like a tiny mustard seed planted in a garden. It grows and becomes a tree, and the birds come and find shelter among its branches. He also asked, What else is the kingdom of God like? It is like yeast used by a woman making bread. Even though she used a large amount of flour, the yeast permeated every part of the dough. Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching as he went, always pressing on toward Jerusalem. Someone asked him, Lord, will only a few be saved? He replied, The door to heaven is narrow. Work hard to get in, because many will try to enter. But when the head of the house has locked the door, it will be too late. Then you will stand outside, knocking and pleading, Lord, open the door for us. But he will reply, I do not know you. You will say, But we ate and drank with you, and you taught in our streets. And he will reply, I tell you, I don't know you. Go away, all you who do evil. And there will be great weeping and gnashing of teeth, for you will see Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and all the prophets within the kingdom of God. But you will be thrown out. Then people will come from all over the world to take their places in the kingdom of God. And note this, some who are despised now will be greatly honored then, and some who are greatly honored now will be despised then. A few minutes later, some Pharisees said to him, Get out of here if you want to live, because Herod Antipas wants to kill you. Jesus replied, Go tell that fox that I will keep on casting out demons and doing miracles of healing today and tomorrow, 
and the third day I will accomplish my purpose. Yes, today, tomorrow, and the next day I must proceed on my way. For it wouldn't do for a prophet of God to be killed except in Jerusalem. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones God's messengers. How often I have wanted to gather your children together as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings. But you wouldn't let me. And now look, your house is left to you, empty, and you will never see me again until you say, Bless the one who comes in the name of the Lord. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Luke 14. One Sabbath day, Jesus was in the home of a leader of the Pharisees. The people were watching him closely because there was a man there whose arms and legs were swollen. Jesus asked the Pharisees and experts in religious law, Well, is it permitted in the law to heal people on the Sabbath day or not? When they refused to answer, Jesus touched the sick man and healed him and sent him away. Then he turned to them and asked, Which of you doesn't work on the Sabbath? If your son or your cow falls into a pit, don't you proceed at once to get him out? Again, they had no answer. When Jesus noticed that all who had come to the dinner were trying to sit near the head of the table, he gave them this advice. If you are invited to a wedding feast, don't always head for the best seat. What if someone more respected than you has also been invited? The host will say, let this person sit here instead. Then you will be embarrassed and will have to take whatever seat is left at the foot of the table. Do this instead. Sit at the foot of the table. Then when your host sees you, he will come and say, Friend, we have a better place than this for you. Then you will be honored in front of all the other guests. For the proud will be humbled, but the humble will be honored. Then he turned to his host. When you put on a luncheon or a dinner, he said, Don't invite your friends, brothers, relatives, and rich neighbors, for they will repay you by inviting you back. Instead, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. Then at the resurrection of the godly, God will reward you for inviting those who could not repay you. Hearing this, a man sitting at the table with Jesus exclaimed, What a privilege it would be to have a share in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied with this illustration, A man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. When all was ready, he sent his servant around to notify the guests that it was time for them to come. But they all began making excuses. One said he had just bought a field and wanted to inspect it, so he asked to be excused. Another said he had just bought five pair of oxen and wanted to try them out. Another had just been married, so he said he couldn't come. The servant returned and told his master what they had said. His master was angry and said, Go quickly into the streets and alleys of the city and invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. After the servant had done this, he reported, There is still room for more. So his master said, Go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone you find to come so that the house will be full. For none of those I invited first will get even the smallest taste of what I had prepared for them. End of reading Luke twelve thirteen through fourteen twenty four. No doubt it'll be alright. With God it'll all work together for good. No doubt in the end it will be understood. No doubt. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. I hope you have a Bible Live notebook. Just go down to the corner store and get yourselves one of those spiral notebooks. I put Wednesday and I write down that day's passages tonight from the book of Proverbs and the Gospel of Luke. 
I write those passages down and then just write out what jumps into my head, what I hear and what God speaks to my heart. You really don't have time to make an in-depth meeting of the in-depth meeting study out of it, but you can write down the impressions that come to your mind as you hear the scriptures. I was intrigued by the parable of the rich man and the fool. Sometimes that seems to be all we're about in this world, just trying to get bigger barns and more stuff, not a thought given to the fact that you're going to die and you're going to go into eternity. You can't take it with you. We've been reading about that in the Proverbs as well. You fool, you will die this very night. Then someone else will get everything you worked for. Well, then there's this passage about worrying and anxiety. There's a lot of that in our culture and our society today. This is a command, not the worry. And we're also given a similar command in the book of Philippians as God's children. So if you're worrying and full of anxiety, that really is a choice that we make. You don't have to as God's children. Rusty called, and we were talking about the idea that when we turn our eyes upon Jesus, then the things of earth grow strangely dim. As we bring the Lord into our daily lives, all those problems and difficulties and concerns and the anxiety tend to fall away. And we are left with peace. And we are left with confidence in God and what he's doing. He says, seek God's kingdom above all else, and he will give you everything you need. Don't be concerned about what to eat, what to drink. Don't worry about such things. Now, see, that almost goes against the grain of our logic. We think, well, that's what you got to worry about. you got to think about that food and drink, but also clothes that we wear and probably the house that we live in and so on. Jesus said, these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers all over the world, but we're supposed to be different, aren't we? He says, but your father already knows your needs. Seek his kingdom above all else, and he will give you everything that you need. Doesn't say everything that you want, but all that we need. I hope that you've come to the point in your life where you understand that and have experienced that to be true. Sometimes we learn this lesson way late. I hope that you have come early to the idea of abandoning yourself to God, trusting in his provision, trusting in his guidance in your life. Just relax. Rest in who the Lord is and what he is doing in you and with you. Rest in that. Now, we're told here also to prepare for the future. There's a lot of talk about the second coming of Jesus and the end times. All of us think about it. We live every day with our eye a little bit to the sky, wondering when will Jesus return? That's important that we know that he's coming. But the most important, the key teaching about Jesus' second coming is be ready. It's not trying to figure out when it is. It'll happen when it happens. All of this trying to figure out the million-man army from the east, this group from up there and this group over here, and this group's going to do this and this is going to happen there, and those things can be interesting. But you're not going to figure it out. You're not going to figure out when he's coming because he's made it clear that we're not going to know either the hour or the day. The key teaching continually and consistently is be ready every day. That is the key teaching. I do want to mention this one thing. Have you wept over your city? Have you wept over San Antonio? Have you wept over your community? Jesus here, we see him crying, deeply touched as he overlooks the city of Jerusalem and and realizes the potential, the great blessing that God wanted to bring for that city, for his people there. But they would not. They would not receive it. What a tragedy that is. And, of course, we look at the suffering and the difficulties in our city, and we think of the hundreds of thousands that walk and live every day without the knowledge of the Savior, without the peace, 
without the forgiveness and the cleansing and without the hope that we have in Jesus the Messiah. And that should grieve us. It should make us sad. It should break our hearts. And it should move us to pray. It should move us to action to help bring the message of redemption and salvation to someone, our next-door neighbor, someone at work. Be praying for people that are in your circle of relationships. That is a circle that is unique to you. So be praying for them and take the opportunity from time to time in word and deed to point them toward Jesus, the Messiah. Nice visit tonight during the reading. Lewis calls in and we get a chance to visit with him and encourage him and pray together about what the Lord is teaching us and showing us from his word. Glad to do it. I pray each night as the scriptures go out, as God's word goes out, that you're finding comfort, that you're finding encouragement, that the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart about some issue, about some matter in your life and giving you strength, giving you understanding to continue forward. That's our prayer each and every night as the word goes out. I love what Jesus talks about humility. Don't look for the head of the table. Don't try to be somebody big and important. Just let God make of us what he desires. See you next time. Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Soapy reads from the New Living Translation by Tyndale House Publishers. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping promote spiritual revival across America, and your financial support is needed. Please mail your tax-deductible gift to The Bible Live, Post Office Box 18888. That's The Bible Live, P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78218. You may also make credit card donations at the ministry website, thebiblelive.com. Don't forget, join us each weekday for The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Start today, and in one year's time, we will read and respond together to the entire Bible. Let the most important word you hear each day be God's Word.